You're listening to a podcast in Orange, a Marshall's view of motorsport. Hello and welcome again to a podcast in Orange, the Marshall's podcast brought to you by Life in Orange. I'm Robert Lee and joined as always by James McNeil. Hey guys, thanks for listening in again. Yeah, you beat me to it because that, that is what I was going to say. Thank you very much for all those that give up half an hour of the time to, to listen to our last podcast. This is episode two, something we didn't mention on the last podcast, which is just popped into my head randomly whilst we've got notes here of what we want to talk about um we didn't actually say who came up with the name like we had a lot of people suggesting a lot of people Mm. uh, we had people from mexico suggesting names uh new zealand the netherlands thank you very much for for, you know for suggesting names however tom stalker if you're listening which i know you will be because i'll make you listen i'll text you you won the competition and you get our yeah a round of applause come on we'll take that up, tom. you big get up. big up tom you get uh our respect so well done mm-hmm. that's priceless you don't get a badge you don't get no. a t-shirt you don't get a little award to say well done tight budget here, so. yeah tight budget um you were actually locked in a closet that's how tight it we're not really um you know you get our our praise so thank you very much uh tom for suggesting the, the correct name which was a podcast sorry as ever we're going to be talking about marshalling and things and and things <laughs> just marshalling really but we've got a couple of things on today's episode that actually are quite interesting mm. to, uh, to talk about most some of which are equipment which will become clear why we talk yeah. about that later and um you spotted a piece of cut up pro bands in my room so we're going to be talking about 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 that later. Use pro bands and what to turn them into. Some uses for it and that. So we'll get to that bit later. However, we're gonna take it back to what we t- spoke about a month ago. Yeah, yeah something like yeah. that. Uh, about and it was gonna be a trip to Sebring. So yes. you may have been following it. Uh, a life in orange went to Sebring. Um, there were, I would like to say, there was about ten British marshals over. Uh, over yeah, you give it a fist bump, Jay. Give it a fist bump. Uh, there were ten British marshals, I think, over in Seabring. There was um, there was myself. There was Ashley Howard, Tom Starker, Bruce Sayer, Andy Melling, uh, Paul Hayes. Those are the people that I travelled with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was also two people that I can't remember the names, and it's going to really frustrate me because I can picture them. They were in the camper next to us. And somebody's going to remind me, or it'll get to 20 minutes into this episode, and I'm like, oh, that's the name. And I just can't think of it. There was a, a couple of Scottish marshals as well. So, you know, that was great to see. But it wasn't just British marshals as well that whilst I was there that we were talking to. Um, there were uh, Belgian marshals. It was uh, Dutch marshals. It was really good to see that they'd come over as well. There was actually um, a group of Canadian marshals, three of which were on our post, that had driven... 22 hours Bloody 22 hours to get from where they lived in Canada to Seabring, now we thought 9.5 hours flying was a lot and we were thinking, we were, we were talking about it the, the, the overall distance that we covered, we'd probably covered more but to spend 22 hours in a car with the same 3 people that would be tough. It's commitment, that. That is commitment. And think of all the states that you've driven through in America, from Canada. That was just that was just staggering. So the good thing about Sebring was because it was 
the first time that they come back. And I've got somewhere, if you bear with me, a little badge, little badge that says Super Sebring, so we can understand what it is. And it was a 12 hours of IMSA, which is a mixture of DPIs, which are what we what we'd probably call LMP2 cars, LMP3 cars, that kind of breed. Um, they had GTLM and GTD. Now GTLM are like your Le Mans cars, which feature at WEC, feature uh, feature well at, at Le Mans, mm. and they also had the GTD cars, which are kind of like our GTM cars. Maybe I would probably say close maybe to blank pan cars than, than anything else. And then of course he had the thousand miles of Sebring, which was for World Endurance, which lasted eight hours. Which so we had a twelve hour race and eight hour race in a in a, in a weekend. And the great thing about Sebring was um, when you're marching is because IMSA run one set of rules yeah. for flagging, and the WEC run the FIA rules. So as we know, the everything's waved. So blue flag, yellow, double waved yellows. We had full course yellows, safety cars. Now, I don't. Th did you ever marshal under the old MSA flagging no, rule? I never did. I came in when it was just brought into new ball. Not just, but I was brought in, started marshalling when it was the new. What so we you, have now. You, everything was basically yeah, waved. Everything's waved. So they have. They still have a static yellow, and then that's upgraded to a waved yellow. They have static blue flags, but the blue flag's got a, a yellow line through it, um, which is, which, you know, so it's getting used to showing that static blue. And then when something's really about to overtake, it's waving it as high as you can. Uh, but they don't have, like, like, we don't have safety car boards. What they do is they put two yellow flags together and hold them up stationary, which is possibly the hardest thing I've ever done <laughs> in my marshalling career. I thought waving two flags was hard. Not a chance. Just hold, just, even if you get, like, five minutes, on, you know, at the next, your next marshalling event, just to kind of educate yourself just how hard it is, just hold two flags together. So what you tend to do is you put your two poles together, hold them two, and then hold the bottom of the flag, and just hold it for a couple of minutes. And you're quickly already already struggling, especially like the flags were on our post, which were they were slightly different sizes, so your hand was on, on it, and you're like, oh, holding it. And then you get tired, so you kind of hold it that way for a bit, and you try and hold it a different way, so... It is quite tiring, but the whole experience of Sebring was absolutely fantastic. If anybody has any desire to go to the Sebring or any other, as you put your hand up, I mean, it was the way that they treated you as well. It was like the like you were old relatives that they'd not seen in in, in time. They provided you with, uh, with breakfast, with lunch, with dinner. There was beers in the, at the compound afterwards, which Unfortunately, some of the Americans did try and go to toe to toe with the British people and the Dutch people. I noticed, and it was like, oh, Ooh, even British people tend not to go toe to toe with the Dutch <laughs> and the Belgians, but they did. And you know, it, it provided a good atmosphere, and you get to know people's backgrounds. So there were people though that were, which had like nineteen, twenty, nearly thirty years experience, and from the amount of travelling that they could do, they could do homestead which is miami daytona sebring and st peter's st petersburg indy race all in the space of two months and do nearly two thousand miles of driving it's quite ridiculous the the distance that they covers um and when you talk to them as well it's like oh how far what's your local circuit now local circuit tours is for us 
Alton Park, Alton Park, 40 minutes down the road. Yeah. A local circuit to somebody in America is anything that's less than a three-hour drive. Neighbouring state. Yeah, na- exactly. Neighbouring state. So there were a couple of people that had driven two hours from Miami just for the weekend at Sebring. So oh, yeah, it's, apart from Homestead, it's our closest track. And I was saying to them, if you drove any distance like that, especially if you lived in central, like, like Derby Way, two hours would pretty much get you to every circuit in the UK. Yeah. Um, except maybe the extremes, like yeah. Knock Hill, if you, lived, you know, if you lived in Derby. But I can get to Knock Hill in about three and a half hours, max. Brands Hatch, four, four and a half, five hours, mm. something like that. So in the time that they take to get to the local circuit, I can get to every circuit, or we can get to every circuit, in the UK, and it's quite interesting that they regard it, because you, you kind of forget how vast and how yeah, big yeah. America is and, and Canada and stuff like that, like, and going back to mm. the Canadian family that drove uh, 22 hours. However, if you do make the trip over there, you do get to listen and experience noises like this. What you didn't actually see is off. Because <laughs> we've not got a camera set up. Is the last car that you heard was the Porsche 911 RSR. It was Jay pretending he was driving it. I really wish that we had a camera set up. <laughs> a webcam just set up so you could see. I mean, he was giving it full opposite lock and it was driving in a straight line. However, now we're on about the 911. Mm. That car is not only one of the best looking cars in world endurance, mm. is one of the loudest. And I mean... It is loud. Just to give you a bit of an example of how loud it was, I exposed myself to that noise for five minutes in the World Endurance. Now, in that time, there's probably they did probably three laps, and there were six cars, so I'd say that noise went past me 18 times. Not, not bad maths, 18 times. In that time, I then put some earplugs in because my, my ears were ringing, mm. When I came to take them out late, I took myself away from the track because we had an hour left and we decided to watch it in the compound because I was shifted, finished. That My ears were still ringing. I woke up the next morning, my ears were still ringing again. So, equipment that might be useful. very useful yes. uh, to have on you, especially if you're going to be subjected to sounds like that. Now, earplugs. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. If you're going to be experiencing sounds like that, Mm. On a regular basis, you've got to have earplugs. It's even good just for normal club meets as well because it is just constant noise. So if you want to protect your hearing as much as possible, then yeah. So especially if you're just starting out yeah. as well. So people will say to you, and you'll get quite. I don't really want to go on the old guard, but those that have done marshalling longer, they will tell you you've got to look after your hearing. You've got to look after your hearing because that constant, like you said, it's constant, yeah. constant, constant, constant. And just and from a flagging point of view, you made a very good point. Yes. Well, because fine, you know, you have to stay in that one position throughout the whole whole day, whole race, and it's constantly having that noise. 
So you, could, you can't move away because you're leaving your post. You can't flag. So it's just how to word this. Like just a way to protect, make you make you have a better day because you don't have to worry about having a headache. You have like better in the long run, better hearing. And it's and it's that concentration as well. Yeah. It's like you've got you're not worrying about oh the, the, that mm. you know whatever car's going around again and it's 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 really going to get right into you know into my ears and it's going to make me struggle and you're thinking about that and not thinking about do I need to put a blue flag out you know so that's good and it got to thinking if you're a new a newer marshals what kind of advice or equipment would you say look mm. maybe. Have this in your bag or in your box. Just there are two things straight yeah. away. A, a rucksack is always good. I, pref you, I started with a box and went to a rucksack. I've started with a rucksack. And I'm staying with a rucksack, probably. I prefer it for the carrying. However, a box does provide a, a seat. seat. It, it does. That's always helpful. Always more waterproof, especially if you use a fishing box. Um, so those two are good. Uh, Toolboxes are another good one. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I'm sure you could speak to loads of people who will yeah. say so, oh, so oh, great. those are a couple of things that you can um, that you can have there straight off but ear, we'll start with earplugs mm. earplugs are always good to have even if it's just like the disposable ones which you can pick up a, the inner ones like yeah they're, they're they, cheap yeah, they hardly anything they, they hardly cost anything have a few of them in, in your bag so you can use them when you think you need them yeah. and you can just, just dispose of them if you're going to do a lot of of that, um, a lot of the big means where you have like the big engine and the big massive cars. Yeah, maybe it might be worth investing in a pair of air defenders. Yeah, might be good if you're flagging because you then you're not you've not got that overall expense, and eventually it will become more cost effective. Yes. Um, other things that you could potentially have if you're a new newer marshal that's cheap. I, I want to keep it cheap because you don't yeah. need to go overboard. Um, Stopwatch. Mm. Stopwatch would be a good one. You, I think you mentioned stopwatch to yeah. me. Do you, uh, you carry a stopwatch, don't you? Um, when I'm marking, yes, I always, well, most of the time, if I've not forgot it, I will have it around my neck. And I just, it's especially because, like, I like to do flagging, and it's always good to know how long is left in a race, or also a thing I like to use. So if you, like, track when the, like, the last car goes past you, if you look at a stopwatch, and there's a good way to let you know how long till the first car comes, so then you can whip for you can figure it out when you need to put a blue flag out or what might be happening in the race like will you need the blue flag yes or no it just that, that's more information yeah the better then that's a very good point because if you look at it and it says oh it's two minutes the last car's just gone past hmm. then at two minutes 30 the first car comes back through again yeah and you've only had you know two laps you're thinking yeah. oh i'm probably going to need the blue flag here. but then you can also monitor right the first lap round there was a still a good minute hmm. minute and a half between between the last place and the leader, then the next lap is oh there was still a minute, mm. a minute and a half between the leader, and then the third lap you're like this is not going down, no. so we know the likelihood of a blue flag is probably not very likely. So yeah, oh but if you look at it and it's like right we've got an hour's race here, mm. we're 15 minutes in and there's half a second between last and first, you're thinking whoever put that blue flag yeah you, you're going to be getting ready yeah um just m the more information you know the, the better the easier your job is and that's also true for incident marshals as well yeah yeah you, you know that's that's a good point that like, you don't really think of it from an incident point of view because you normally go in when's the, when's this incident coming where, where's yeah. the crash at and but as like the quick cars approaching back markers possibility of incidents there so so it's just a, always nice to know like more like a complete picture than not knowing. 
yeah, that's a, that's a that's a very good point. Right, so it's always it's always good to know a more complete picture. Um, another thing as well is I remember when I first died about nine years ago now that somebody recommended that I went away and got safety goggles and I never did. Um, and I was always curious why, so I asked the person why, and they said it's always handy to have a pair if you're ever going to be near a gravel trap. I was just like, well, yeah, but. Me and my quite vain ways went. Sorry, not, really, not really fashionable, is it to wear to wear safety glasses? So, what ideas could you come up with that were better? So, you go to races and they're always giving out free sunglasses, free hats, you know. And I thought, well, use the free sunglasses yeah. that you got. They might not be as stylish as you know Ray Bans or you know whatever you, you're you know. not there to look good though you're there yeah, to do a job yeah exactly and if a bit of gravel comes up yeah. pings it cracks the, the lens it's no. better than it taking your eye out yeah. but you've not broken a pair of glasses that you're quite attached to yeah which just easily replace yeah, them with a you, new pair you know I, I can guarantee that you could go to most races this year and you could pick up a free pair of glasses if not you can most town centres will have a market and yeah. will sell a pair of glasses for about a quid two yeah, quid if that just get a pair of them and, and you know, see, and saying that, I've got a, a raft of, of glasses up there, an old red pair of glasses, which I got from Le Mans. I've got a pair of Isle of Wet glasses, which I'm probably not going to wear at a racetrack so anytime soon. <laughs> but, but it's so good. But like you said, you've, you're you protecting your yeah. eyes, but it's slightly more fashion. And we're not saying this is a fashion no. tip, not at all. It's just, if you're not comfortable in wearing, in, you know... Um, safety glasses then this isn't a this is a an alternative um there is another good point for sunglasses as well because i know i tend to squint quite a lot like trying to pick out car numbers pick out what car so i'm when it's especially a sunny day like today luckily yeah. like i tend to squint my eyes and that ends up giving me a headache so sunglasses like it makes it easy for me to like see things it's just yeah and, and a good thing that comes with sunglasses if you Pair it up with a hat, which mm. again, if you just look around, there's there's so many hats. You pick one up, Jaguar hat. I've got one here, which was free from uh, free from uh, Sebring. I don't know if I mentioned I've been to Sebring. Uh, been to Sebring, uh, number thirty three Mercedes Wins hat. Never mm. never heard them before in my life, but you know, it's just a purple hat. I quite like it. Um, hats are, I want to say the best thing ever, <laughs> but I've always been. There's a joke going around that I protect a couple of hats that I own quite quite sincerely and they are all Alonso hats but the re the, re the reason I do it is because if you spend a lot of money on something you want to look after it so to do that mine don't really as soon as it, there's a, a chance of rain I swap the hat that I'm wearing for another hat which there's a good video I need to find the video and I think Tom Stalker has it mm -hmm. and it's of me Casting my old hat of five years that was my wet weather hat into into the bin because I got an, a new hat. I had a Lexus hat, but I left it behind, so I've got a Wins hat instead, whoever Wins are. But thank you for the hat. It was free, and it's purple. Um, not good for wet weather. It's got old, no, not it? good for wet weather. But the importance of having a wet weather hat. Now, this may sound stupid, but if you have a, if you have a hat that you wear all the time and you think about it, it's dry and then rains and then you get soaked and then it goes back to about dry again it's one of the nicest things is having a dry head mm. and 
one of the quickest ways of doing that is just replacing the hat that you've got on. You just feel a little bit more comfortable. But when it rains, you've just put on a hat that you don't mind getting wet. And even if it's just a hint of it, but get your, get your jacket ready or something like that. So what yeah. if you're starting out waterproofs? Maybe you know have some decent thick waterproofs. Mm. That, you know if it's cold, always good to keep warm. Are you going to Anglesey? Or, or Anglesey, yeah. Yeah, because I like to use the, the Icelandic phrase of Fair Anglesey, if you think the weather's bad now, wait five minutes, it'll get worse. Yeah. Right. So that's that's a... Very true. That's a, that's a good point. But, you know what, you don't have to go full kitted out, no. you know. You don't have to put, have the best waterproof pants, you don't have to have the no. best one. Just have something, and if you think it's going to be a light shower, maybe have like a an orange cycling jacket. Yeah, Quite a lot of people, you, very lightweight. It's not going to cause you to sweat too much. Mm. It will survive most most uh, light showers, and mm. most yeah. of all, keeps your probe hands <laughs> probe hands dry. So, mm. yeah, that's there's, there's just a few things that we've maybe unless you can think of something else that might be worth yeah. just to throw in your bag. I mean, there's the things like sun cream, yeah, but you should be packing that anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if you ask each marshal, each marshal will say something different. Yeah, like what they found from their personal experience. But can't think of anything now. Just another note: like if you are starting off and you are new or newer to it, there is no point going out and buying all the best equipment, all the best this, this, and this, because at the end of that, you don't know how much you will be doing. Will it be worth investing? If you know you're going to be doing a lot after a couple of years, then definitely invest in the best stuff. But if you're just starting out, mm, probably you've got like mid-range, something that will do the job, but you don't have to break the bank to get it. Now, that's that's some that's some uh, sound advice. That's what I'm going to call it. As you tap your head, yeah, it is. That is sound advice. I'm worth that. So before we move on to our last section, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of a sound bite. Uh, yeah, that was more soundbite from a Seabrook weekend. It, you didn't know I went to. Um, so, yeah, and you've picked up something that yeah. you, you I, I can see you looking at me. It's just um, it's a be- bit of old Provan with some writing on it. You know, I'm not going to read it out. Obviously, well, we, thank we don't you. want the fangirls coming <laughs> around, I'll do yeah, All two of them. That many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that many. Sorry, they say two, I meant negative two. <laughs> that was better. But yeah, uh, that is uh, a piece of proband. Actually, it's one of the waist straps, Joe, that you yeah. used to secure your proband together with my address on. Uh, because when we were going away, um, they asked me, have I got a um, <laughs> an address label on my suitcase? And I realised that I think it was about quarter to midnight the night before I was going to go away. I was like, oh, no, I've not. What do I do? So I started panicking a little bit. And then as I walked into the, the front room, I noticed a very old pair of overalls. There. And I thought, oh, I've got an idea, a way of identifying my suitcase, as well as creating a rather fitting luggage label. I cut off the one of the waist straps, tied it round my, my suitcase mm-hmm. so I could identify... Um, which my case was because 
probably not going to be many cases in the world travelling around that's going to have a piece of pro band attached to it. And then double it up as got a, a sharpie out and double it up as a uh, as a as a as a luggage label. So that got us thinking. Well, it got me thinking. Mm. What else could you turn an old pair of overalls into? If you've got time, you could probably turn it into a bag, and that'd be well impressive. Yes, yeah. Well, Love to um, see one of old bags like made out of pro bands. I mean, you could if you've now. got again if you've got the time, you could and like because quite a lot of pro bands you get rips in the legs. Yeah. Just from climbing over walls, uh, just from they, they fade and they, you know, they, they get thin, they get stretched, and you know, eventually they do end wear up. And tear, yeah, isn't it? wear and tear, exactly. So you could always, if there's no holes in the top half of it, cut the sleeves off. Don't make it into a sporty vest, please don't. <laughs> if you're gonna wear it, please have something on underneath it. I don't want to see any pro man vests at all. It's not safe. That's not, you just can't say not safe. Cut it from the the waist up. So you get rid of all the the bits that are more likely yeah. to rip, and you've still got the majority of the pro band material that you want, and it could double up as as a body warmer yeah. to a pair of new overalls you've got. I mean, the contrast of the worn colour <laughs> against the, the new orange colour um, could could be a bit styling, but you've got something there that's technically a body warmer. It, yeah, quite warm. And then. Romance. Especially because it's an extra layer, isn't it? Yeah, it's an extra layer. You know it's going to fit. Yeah. And it's still going to be flame retardant. Mm. So there's one other thing. And plus, if you have it over the top, you don't mind if it gets damaged or ruined because it's, yeah, it's not your set of overalls. It's an old set that you yeah that you've you've you've, you've ripped anyway. And you've, yeah, and you've and probably going to throw away anyway at some yeah. point. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else mm. that you could. This could be a chance to comment on, on the podcast underneath and let us know if there's anything that you could possibly turn an old pair of overalls into. Because you, if you think about it, quite a lot of people say that, oh, old new sets of overalls are expensive. I've heard that quite a bit. Yeah. However, here's a top tip for you, a good tip for you. Buy the most basic set that doesn't have like the radio loop on or the pen pocket or, or even or the side the pockets. I miss them massively. And then just get an old set Rip them off them, stitch them on. It might look a little bit strange. But, but by the time your new one's worn down, it'll be fine. Yeah. And you've probably saved yourself there quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. So that could possibly that could possibly work. Now I'm thinking about it, yeah, I'd say it's gonna definitely work. <laughs> um yeah, that's maybe that is something that yeah. we definitely want to hear about. Have you turned a old set of overalls? into anything else even it doesn't uh, have to be marketing related just what, no, well, this, what are you using exactly for? this wasn't this was yeah. this was a waist strap that, that was a trip to go marching though it was a trip to go marching but i'm still going to use yeah. it to go on any suitcase mm. on our own because it's got my address on it and i know that that's a piece of pro band and i'm yeah. going to look around the airport and go hmm who here in an airport in tibet has it's just a place I picked up the top of my head. Tibet does marshalling. I mean, they might make Tibetan Marshalls Club. If there is, please let us know, because that would be amazing. Mm. But we'll have to organise a trip out there for Marshall. We, we would. We 100% would. And I can show off my <laughs> my pro-band luggage label. But that, it's just something like that. that yes. You know, if there's anything that you can think of at all, then maybe you could perhaps make it... I don't know if you could, how hard it would be to make a distinctive orange flame-retardant skin to go over your... Uh, over your uh, your rucksack, I'm not, I'm not I'm not a seamstress in any way, so neither am I. My my knowledge pretty much is cut a piece off and use it for something else. That's where 
Mm. My, my knowledge came All from. you creative people out there. Yeah, if you're a creative person and you do marketing or you don't do marketing and you think, do you know what, I've seen what you were, let, let us know what you could potentially turn a pair of old, used overalls into. I mean, you could keep mm. the badges on it for as well. Mm. That'd be that'd be quite cool. We'd love to see any examples if you have already. Yeah, done something. if you've got an example of it and of how you've used it, if you're sending like some people probably just cut them up and use them as dust racks. Yeah, we probably don't want to see that. Mm. But yeah, any examples of how you've been creative with a set of overalls, mm. then yeah, we'd 100 percent love to oh. see that because this has now got us pretty curious, and I'm now going to be mm. thinking of what can I turn my old set of overalls into. And I'll probably come up with loads of good ideas and execute probably absolutely none of them. Because You've already got one of them. I've got one. one of them, but that's it. What more do you need? <laughs> one more thing. A second luggage strap. <laughs> I'll cut the other one off. <laughs> <laughs> I think, though, I think on that note, I think it is uh, time for us yes, to leave you again. Digress. Yeah, thank you very, very much for listening again for yes. our second episode. Thank and we'll continue much. to think of things that you can turn... Yeah. Headband, turn it into a headband, and we're gonna think of things that you can turn pro bands into, and we'll think of other things to talk about when we come back again in yes. a month's time. I've been Robert Lee. I've been James McNeil. You weren't too sure then. <laughs> no, but, just questioning. Yeah, we've been Jane Rob, and thank you very much for listening to a podcast in Orange. We'll see you next time. Thank you. You're listening to a podcast in Orange, a Marshall's view of motorsport.